Well, we're on part three of our series called Salt. Salt in uh, where Jesus has called us to be salt and light of the earth. And uh, it's an interesting term. Um, in fact, I was just talking about that with, uh, with a good friend of mine. And, and, he, and, he, and in fact, he asked me, he goes, oh, how's, um, how's Sam? And I'm like, Sam? Who, who's Sam? I go, Sam who? He goes, Sam. I was going, nah, I don't know. Sam, Sam who? And he goes, you're Sam. He goes, my Sam? I ain't got a Sam. And he goes, Samuel. He goes, oh, Samuel. Why don't you just say Samuel? And he goes, uh, oh, no, no, I, uh, I, I, I call him Sam. And he goes, oh, but Sam's not his name. His name's Samuel. His name is not Sam. His name is Samuel. And um, uh, in fact, and I say the reason why his name is Samuel is because uh, the E-L in his name, the L, is the singular word for God. In fact, when you put it together, Samuel, Samuel means heard of God, or God has heard your prayers. That's what Samuel's name means. God has heard your prayers. And when you, when you, if you, when you take, I don't take God out of his name. You can take God out of his name, but I don't. Um, it's like, I don't take Christ out of Christmas. I don't call Christmas Xmas. I call it Christmas. I don't take Christ out. So his name is Samuel. And then the good friend of mine, yeah, you know what? I'm going to call him Samuel from now on. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, but it's, it's, it's an interesting thing that in, um, in our culture, Especially the, the Kiwi culture. If, if your name is, has more than three syllables, I will shorten your name. If your name has, uh, so if it's uh, like, for instance, my, my name is Anthony, it has three syllables. Anthony, right? Yeah, That's what you learn at school. Anthony, three syllables. And so it's shortened to ants. Ants, just one syllable. It's real. In fact, did you know Anthony means worthy of praise? That's what it means, worthy of praise. Anthony means worthy of praise. And when I first heard that, I go, wow, that is that's really good. I, I totally understand that. Um, but, you know, but I take it as that I'm worthy of praise my king. I'm worthy of praise because um, Christ has made me worthy. Um, but did you know that uh, I don't even mind the word ants because ants is in the Bible. Did you know that? My name, ants, is in the Bible. Um, and you don't have to turn there with me, but it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. <laughs> Proverbs 6, verse 6. Um, also happens to be the number of man. But anyway... Um, it says this, Proverbs 6 verse 6 says this, Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, great. Consider its ways and be wise. You know, that's a, and did you know that an ant can also lift 10 times its body weight? Thought I'd just throw that in there as well. But, um, but <laughs> what we know about culture is that when culture shifts, truth shifts with it. When culture shifts, truth uh, shifts with it. In fact, um, culture, and we, when we talk about truth, what is truth? In culture, truth is relative. Truth is relative. Whatever the majority of the culture believes, that is truth. That is true. In fact, truth always changes. Our truth that we believe in today as a culture, as a society, is different to what we believed as a society 20 years ago because culture shifts. And when culture shifts, truth shifts with it. But however, however, uh, as as uh, a Bible believers, uh, we believe that truth is absolute. In fact, culture will say that there is will say this: there is no such thing as absolute truth, which is a crazy statement because you're making an absolute truth statement. See, relative truth has its origin in man; absolute truth has its origin in God, in the Word of God. Um, Jesus says this in Luke chapter 14, verse 34 to 35. He says, salt is good, 
But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Can I, can I get my salt shaker? See, our, our salt, this is my salt container from home. Um, it's, you know, who loves salt? Anybody love salt? Who, who, uh, who needs to cut down on their salt? <laughs> I love salt. Who needs to cut down on salt? <laughs> and um, in my household, uh, my, the code word uh, I give salt, we call it love. Okay, so it's like we're having some chicken. And I say, oh, man, this chicken needs some love. And I'm putting some, oh, actually, let me close that. Uh, man, these fries, these fries need, need some love. So, you know, it goes on there. So that's, and that's how we, uh, that's what I call it. Um, but the salt in the container will never lose its saltiness because in this container is pure salt. But back in Jesus' days, uh, they didn't have pure salt like we had today. Their containers had impurities in it. Their salt was mixed with impurities. And so as you begin to um, go through your salt jar or your container, the impurities will begin to sink down to the bottom until you get to a point where, the, where your salt has lost its saltiness. And um, Jesus, and Jesus will, says this, that if you get your salt, if it loses its saltiness, you can't even throw it on the dirt. If you throw it on your dirt, you're going to ruin the dirt. Because in dirt, you can grow things. And if you, you throw your, you're going to ruin it. And in fact, he goes, you can't even throw it on manure. Because if you throw it on manure, you're going to ru- ruin the manure. Because with manure, you can use it to fertilize things. And, and so Jesus is saying, look, if you lose your saltiness, you're not even worth manure. You ain't worth manure. That's, that's what he's saying. And, and, and what salt is, salt is the truth of who God is. Salt is the truth of who God is. And, and, and what culture wants to do in your life, and when culture shifts, culture is trying to shift into your life and bring with it impurities. And when you lose, when you've, you've really got to decide what, what is truth, what is, what is the word of God says about truth, and what does culture tell me what truth is? Because what culture, is, is this what truth is, or is this what truth is, what the word of God tells me it is, or is what culture tells me? But if we allow culture into our life, and all of a sudden we're going to be filled with contaminants, um, that is uh, impurities in our life, then all of a sudden we can lose our saltiness. And if, we, if we're really careful, if we lose our saltiness, then we're going to be not effective in the world. In fact, we're not, we're not, we can't affect anything at all. And one of the greatest questions that, that we ask today is, can I stand strong for God and culture? Can I stand strong for God and culture? In fact, you ask, you, you might not be saying this verbally, but this is what you believe in your mind. Can I stand strong for God in my workplace? Can I stay, how can, or can I stand, can I stand strong for my, my, uh, for God in my places of education? Can I stand God, stay strong for God in my family at home? When, when culture and society is continually shifting away from the church, continually shifting away from God, can I still stand strong for Him? And that, in fact, um, in the book of Daniel, you find that Daniel and his friends, they struggle with the, these very, uh, the very same kind of issues we struggle with today. Um, so today we're going to be look, going through the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is a, a fascinating book for the, first, for the first part of Daniel. It's really a history book. It's a history of Israel when they weren't in Israel. So when they weren't in Israel, in fact, um, Israel, they, they, um, God said, look, Israel, my children, if you stay within my protection, if you stay within my covering, I will protect you, I will bless you. You'll be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the field. But, but uh, children of Israel continued to go, on, go away from God's covering, go away from God's protection. And so they got to a point where, where they, they were overtaken by the Babylonians and they got led into captivity. The whole, the whole nation of, of um, the southern kingdom, 
um, were taken into captivity into Babylonia. And this is where we, where we meet today. In fact, when we talk about salt and, 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 um, and about our effectiveness, God hasn't called us to be right in culture. Because sometimes we think, oh, you know what, I've got, well, that's not what God is talking about here, and that's not what we're talking about. Salt is not about being, being right, it's about being effective in culture. How can we be effective in culture? How can I stand strong in culture without compromising um, God's standards in my life? How can, I, how can I affect my culture in a positive way? When we think of Daniel and his friends, they, they did exactly that. They were able to stand strong for God and affect culture, which is very, very rare. So we're going to be having a look at how Daniel and his friends began to navigate this thing called culture and how culture can can, with their, with their uh, impurities, try to seep its way into your life where you can stand strong wherever you are in your workplace, in your places of education, within your family, wherever you go. Are you ready? See, because we've got to add the right amount of salt. And so I'm going to, here, I'm going to show you how. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put it in the treasure's house of his God. Then, then the king ordered Asphanaz, chief of the court officials, so listen to this. He ordered Asphanaz, chief of, of, of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. See, all the common Jews were just taken, became common slaves. That's all they were. So if, you, if you're just a common Jew, you're just a common slave. That's all you're going to be in the household slave in this place or that place. Verse 4, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Kind of reminds me of me. Um, no, just kidding. You, you should, oh, no one would actually laugh because actually, no, that is not true at all. <laughs> no. um, he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. See, this is the, this is the, the plan of the devil, is to indoctrinate you in culture. It's to indoctrinate you, it's to teach you the way, teach you way of what culture believes. This is what culture believes, so this is what you should believe also. This is what the majority believe, because that's what culture is, not the majority. This is what the majority believes, therefore, this is truth. If we all think this, that's truth. But see, see culture and culture, truth always changes. But in absolute truth, truth never changes. Truth never changes. And there is absolute truth. It's what do you put your foundation on? Absolute truth or relative truth? What is absolute or what is not? The king assigned them a daily, daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Sounds kind of good, but the, the, the problem we have here is the food were, went against Jewish um, dietary requirements. And so for them to eat this food meant to, to break the laws that God had put in place for them uh, since the time of Moses. And... and, and um, and the, the foods that they had, these meats that they had, and you know, all the fine meats and the fine, these things were offered to, to idols, and this defiled what, what their picture of who God was. And so, so we, we find them in this kind of, this dilemma. You find them in a dilemma. How, you know, how do I stand strong in culture when culture is trying to influence me and culture is trying to bring something upon me 
that really goes against what, what God is speaking in my life. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So if you've been in church for a while, if you've been in church for a while, you'll know these, um, those three names as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, uh, and, and most of you have been in church for a while, we all know that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In fact, when I was in my younger walk, I learned this little saying is, is uh, um, uh, shake the bed, make the bed, and in the bed you go. Uh, sh- uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shake the bed, make the bed, and in the bed you go. We all know, we, we know, a lot of us do, but most of us don't really know their Hebrew names and, and what they believe. We all know their, their um, Babylonian names. But in chapter 1, you'll see three things that culture will try to do. In fact, culture still tries to do that today. In fact, the patterns that we see in Daniel still apply today. What I love about the Bible, about the Word of God, that the Word of God is relevant to us today. Um, the stories, the, um, the patterns that they go through, the trials, the issues they face, we still face them today. Uh, again, the Bible is not irrelevant. The Bible isn't just a story of uh, old stories that has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with us. In fact, it's, it's, it's quite prophetic. God gives us the Word of God as, as, a, as a way through. And how do we overcome these issues? Well, begin to see how God begins to take these people and how they begin to um, get, get around and get over and overcome these things. And, and, and we as Jesus followers, we need to get into the God's Word and begin to, to hear and understand these patterns. And so we're going to be looking at, at um, three ways that culture will try to change you. Because culture is trying to change you, whether you believe it or not. Culture, in fact, the, um, some of us say culture has changed us. Culture has changed the way you think. And, and how you view God, and how you see Christianity, and how you, and how you see the world around you. Uh, so we either, allow, uh, we either let culture be the lens of how we see things, or let the Word of God be the lens of how we see things. Are we allow the right salt in our life, or do we allow impurities come into our life? And so we're going to be looking at these three patterns. And so the first way that culture, what culture will try to do to you, culture will try to rename you. Culture will, will try to rename you Samuel, Sam. You know, when you were created by God, when you were born, you were, you were given a God identity. When you were created, when you were conceived, God gave you an identity, a God-breathed identity for your life. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So watch this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's prepared this in advance for us to do. Even before we were born, God had a plan for your life. Every person that takes breath on this planet, God has a plan and purpose for your life. In fact, we say this, this is part of our vision. Uh, when, you dis- when you encounter God, you discover purpose. You will discover for the reason why you were born, the reason why you exist. Um, and, and, so, and it's found in God. And what culture will do is try to rename you. Or try to, or try to um, uh, change the script, change what God has, has created. This is, this is who you are, but they'll try to change it. No, 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 this is, culture will try to pull you away. No, this is who you are. This is who you should be. Um, Daniel 1 verse, verse 7 says this, The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. See, when you, when you compare 
their Hebrew names and their Babylonian names, you can see how culture is trying to shift and change the identity, trying to change the direction and who God has called them to be. See, culture is trying to change your identity. Culture is trying to get a hold of you and begin to take you away from the way God has planned for your life and begin to remove you and, and change the way you think and how you see things and how you see yourself and how you see. See, culture is trying all it can to pull you away. And, and, and my greatest, the sadness in my heart, I've seen far too many people of God who are being turned away because culture has, be, has began to lure them. No, this is who you are. But when we compare their names, Daniel's Hebrew name means this, God is my judge, or I will live in the fear of the Lord. His new Babylonian name means this, Lady, protect the king. Lady, protect the king. See, even, even, even in these times, the enemy tried to change his, his gender. Tried to change his gender. See, gender confusion isn't a new thing. Gender confusion isn't just what's happening, oh, that's a new thing. It's been happening from, from, as a pattern that's been going through um, society since the beginning. The enemy's trying to change your gender, trying to change who you are. Oh, you know, a lady, protect the king. You, you know, you're trying to change the gender. See, he, he's trying to, the enemy's trying to do is change the script, change the design God has called you to be and who you, should, who you are and what he's called you, caused you to do because he's created um, good works for you and advanced for you to do. And the enemy's trying to change that. It's not even about gender. It's, it's, it, what they're trying to do is rob you of who God has called you, called you to be. Hananiah means God is a good God. His Babylonian name means this, I'm afraid of God. I'm afraid. See, the enemy wants to, wants you to, wants to change your view of God. Wants to change, we'll say, you know what, God's irrelevant in my life. God is not real. Which is why part of our vision is that uh, is real love says that God is real in every situation. The enemy wants to change that. God is not real. Uh, he's, he's irrelevant for today. He, it's something from the past that we need to get over. And the, and the enemy's trying to change your view on God. And that God is, is an angry God who just wants you to, um, to live a, a boring life. And this is what the enemy's trying to do. With culture, trying to, trying to twist your view of who God is. And the second thing culture is trying to do, culture will try to change your standards and your convictions. Culture will try to stand your, change your standards and your convictions. You know, if, you know, like, you know, that's what we've got to know. That's why you've got to know what the Word of God says. You, that's why you've got to know, where do you place your truth on? Do you place your truth up, upon what the majority says? Or do you place your truth upon what the Word of God says? Because if, if you place, if, if you haven't decided where you placed your truth on, then you're going to be swayed by pressure. That when pressure comes, you're going to be swayed by it because you, you haven't decided, you haven't affirmed it in your life. But when you've affirmed what the Word of God, God says, when you affirm the standards of God in your life, you know, when, when someone comes along to you, hey, should we go out? Or, hey, would you like to spend the night? And you say, no, 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 my Word of God says, you know, you're cool, you ain't that cool. Because my God tells me, my, my Bible tells me this, See, where do you put this? See, what culture wants to do is drop your standards. What culture wants to do is shift you away from, from the standards that God has. has and I'm telling you, there's people in this room right now, you, you had standards right here, but all of a sudden your standards have dropped. Culture's trying to pull that standard down and it's trying to pull you all the way down. And there's, and, there's, and there's many of us in this room at the same time, our standards were down there and we encountered God and all of a sudden God started to change us and it lifted our standards. 
and this is where we want to be, begin to shift, be in close proximity with God, be in a relationship with God, and when we're in a relationship with God, God begins to lift your standards. You've got to decide. You've, you've, got, to, you've got to decide. You've got to know. That's why, that's why you know, my, my passion is that we want to be a church that, 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 that believes the truths of God, that it's the truth of God that will, that will set us free. Jesus said that in, in, in John chapter 8, verse 32, for you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Verse 8. So, you know, when they offered these food, they went kosher. They went kosher to, to Daniel and his friends that, that went against their, their Jewish um, dietary requirements. Verse 8, Daniel, Daniel said this. But Daniel resolved. He resolved. See, he had made up in his mind. He, he knew what he believed. He made up and he, has this, he decided who he was going to follow. Because when pressure comes, you will, you'll be swayed by pressure when you haven't made up your mind. When someone says, hey, you want to come, to, come, along to this, come along to this thing that you know is not good for your life and you haven't resolved in your heart, you'll go and you'll follow. Okay, I'll go. I'll, I'll just have one. I'll just have two. I'll just have... If you haven't resolved who you are in God, you will be swept away with culture. But when you're resolved in your heart, like Daniel... So Daniel, verse 8. Daniel resolved. He knew who he was. Not to defile himself with the rule of food and wine. And he asked the, the chief official, get this for permission not to defile himself this way. Do you notice, do you notice the courtesy of the way that Daniel asked? The courtesy. He didn't say, oh, stuff you, you're going to hell. You know, he didn't say that. He didn't say, oh, you know, I'm not going to do your, I'm not going to follow your ways. Your, your food's been offered to demons. You guys are going to howl. You know, I'm not, you know it, it doesn't do any of that. It wasn't. He was courteous, and he had courage. He was courteous, and he had courage. And he asked permission. See, when culture shifts, you have to affirm what you believe. You have to affirm what the Word of God says. This is why um, this Bible that you have at your house, in your home, please, I encourage you, Actually, read it. How many of us have a Bible at home that we don't even read? We've got something that sits at home. Well, I'm a Christian. There's my Bible over there. One, yeah, it's great. I love reading my Bible. I just haven't had time this week or last week or the week before. But that's why I go to church on Sunday. Uh, but I encourage you, read the Word of God. Get the Word of God into your heart, into your life. Because when you, when, when you know who He is, when you, when you allow... When you're in close proximity with God in your life, when you allow the spirit of truth into, you, into your heart, and all of a sudden something begins to change in your life, and, and, and all of a sudden you begin to head down a path going somewhere you know you shouldn't go, all of a sudden you hear this voice on the inside, don't, 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 don't do that, don't go there. And see, your job is this, is to listen to that voice. You go, no, 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 that, that, that's going to drop your standards. Your job is to listen to that voice. But if we continue to ignore that voice, we can easily turn down the volume or the frequency of what God is speaking to us. How many of us turn down or turn down the dial of what God is saying? The third thing that culture will try to do to you, culture will try to test me. Culture will try to test me. Whether, whether you want it or not, it's coming away. You know, we, if, you, if, if anybody's a Jesus follower and you work in, in, a, in a place where everybody's not a Christian, you know it's coming your way. Or you're in, your, in any places, your places of education, 
or in your families, you know a test is coming your way. In fact, the book of Daniel is actually a book of test after test after test. This is one test we, we, we hear. There's another test where they have to bow down to an idol or, or be thrown into the fiery furnace. Then there's another test of the lion's den. You shouldn't be praying. And so there's test after test after test and after test. And Daniel and his friends, that, and they overcome. And here's the problem that we have is that, that we're tested every day. You're tested every week. But some, well, most of us, struggle, we struggle with that test. It's because we haven't decided, well, it's because the truth of who God is hasn't been affirmed in our lives and our hearts. That's why church is important. That's why, that's why um, discovering your, your purpose is important. That's, um, we have what's called growth track. If, if, and this is, this is our new growth track manual. It's got some cool pictures of there. There's hearts jumping up there, those kids' church. There's hair all over the place during the oxygen thing. So this, this is, the, the purpose of growth track is for you to discover your purpose. So if you've, never, if you've never done growth track before, it happens during this service um, in that room there. So you can come to our 9 o'clock service and then go along to growth track. And I encourage you, if you've never done growth track, get along there. Discover your purpose. Discover your design. Discover, discover how God made you and, and, and discover you, uh, the work that God has called you to do. And that's found in growth track. It's brand new manuals. Um, so I encourage you to sign up. The next one starts midway through through uh, June, you'll see it in your newsletter when it starts, I think it's the 20th of June, something like that. Sign up. Discover your purpose. Verse 11. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. That will test anybody. Then compare our appearance with that of the young man who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So uh, he, he agreed for them to do, do it, and they tested them. And, and, the, and after the test, they, they were actually stronger, healthier than everybody else. But that's why we need church. We need to get... We need to be getting into God's word and to the truth. See, the purpose of church, the goal of church, the goal of church is not to go to church. The, the goal of church is to be a catalyst for change in our lives. That's what, see, because you've got to understand that church can't save us. Church doesn't save us. In fact, Jesus said this, that on the last days, that there were, there were people that, that, that were coming and they said, but I called you Lord, but, but the people called me Lord, but I, I do not know you. Go away from me. Because God's not looking for your religiousness. He's looking for your relationship, being close in proximity with him. So church, don't come into church. That's not the goal. Coming along to growth tracks, not the goal of just going to it. Doing connect group, that's not the goal. The goal is let it be a catalyst for change in our life. Uh, when I started work at New Zealand Post um, at the airport in Auckland, at the right airport, and, and I was on the night shift with one guy. His name was John Taggart. And somebody told me he, he he's an ex-UK person, whatever they call that, expat from the UK. He hated the royal family, so he wouldn't have been watching the wedding. All he ate was chocolate and drank Coke. And they called him Wolfman because he had massive sideburns and he had, he had eyebrows that went out here. And, um, and they said to him, whatever you do, don't tell him you're a Christian. Because he hates Christians. I was going, man, thanks for the heads up. So I turned up my first day with him. And the first thing he said, hi, 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 John, my name is Ants. 
you know, I'm just, just a young man back then. Um, and, uh, and you know what the first thing he said? And the first thing, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is this. So you're a Christian. I was like, who told you? <laughs> you know? Uh, and he goes, you know, what I, you know what I think about Christians? And I, in my mind, I was thinking, not really. He goes, I think Christians are the biggest hypocrites, the biggest liars, the biggest backstabbers. The reason we have issues in the world is because of Christians. The reason we have all these wars is because of Christians. Uh, and, and he's going on and on and on and on and on. Uh, and then he goes, so what do you think about, and he, then he ends up with this, so what do you think about that? And I'm thinking to myself, I've got to spend all summer with this guy. <laughs> but I also understood the type of Christians that, 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 that he knows, type of Christians that, that, that just tell him that he's going to hell, type, type of Christians that, or, or the other side of Christians that, that are flaky Christians, that, that, that they say they're Christians, but their lives resemble nothing like Christianity, and it makes people think, that, why should I become a Christian then, if your life looks no different to mine? So I said to him, I said to, I said to John, look, John, you're right, you're right. And he, go, and, he, and he takes it back and goes, what, what do you mean you're right? And he goes, well, I, I am, I, I'm, I'm one of the biggest liars around. In fact, I, I'm, I am a hypocrite. I, I, I am a, um, I, you know, I, I am a backstabber. I am, and I began to name every single thing that he said without the swear words. And then I said this, but, but that's why I'm going to church. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something about it. Then I said to him, so, so John, what are you doing about it? And he was like, oh, well, should we go to work? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, wasn't, I didn't say that just because I was trying to be cheeky smart, but I, but I was also concerned about him. And I was like, look, you know, there's, there are, there, you know what? I, I'm, in fact, it's not just Christians. In fact, we all have issues. If, if, if you're a human being, you've got issues. That's why we have tissues for your issues. Can I have a tissue? Thank you. Thank you. It's hay fever. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> John went on to become one of my closest friends um, at New Zealand Post, and a couple of years later, I, I uh, became team leader, and John was my biggest advocate, and he was, the senior, he was the senior, senior officer in that area, and he was the guy that pushed me, encouraged me, and we became very close friends, um, and um, I would love to say to you that he became a Christian, but um, he kept telling me that he was Darth Vader, I was Luke Skywalker, and he was going to turn me to the dark side, but anyway, <laughs> that was our relationship. Um, so I uh, said, so what, so you see me as a son now? <laughs> okay. okay um, but I want to leave us with one truth that I believe will change your life. That, that when you come face to face with confrontation and with culture, that, we, we, that, um, that when culture tries to change you, because you, there's two sides to it. You know, you're either going to be one side of it where, you, where you're going to go, you know, you're all going to howl. If you don't change, you can, you, you can speak to culture like that. You're, if you don't change, you're going to howl. You, if you don't change your life, this, you know, and that, that's cool. You're right, but you've got no friends. You're right, but no one wants to hang out with you. You all got that friend that when you go out to town, <laughs> don't invite that guy, you know. Um, or you can be the other side. Where you, where you kind of water down the truth because you want people to like you. Say, hey, it's all good. You can go sleep over there. That's okay. Just as long as you love God. You can go do that stuff. That's okay. It doesn't matter. Just as long as you, you, know, you love God. But, but, but it does matter. It does matter. And, and it's not that God... You understand, the standards that God sets up 
is not for God's benefit, but it's for our benefit. That God's way works. That, that when we come to God, we come as we are. Broken. Messed up. We come as we are. But God loves us too much. God loves you too much for you to stay that way. He loves you too much for you to stay that way. So when we get in close proximity with God, when we begin to be with the Father, God begins to, our lives begin to change, not because, not because we, we, we want, because we, we, oh, you know, I've got to do this to get here. No, it's because we're in close proximity with God. And God loves us. And, and when culture comes, we've got to respond the way Daniel responded. Or better yet, We've got to respond the way Jesus responded. And in fact, there's two ways that, that Jesus responded to culture. And he did this time and time and time again. In fact, uh, there's patterns. I can show you patterns after patterns after patterns. But we're just going to look at, at, at just, just one pattern. But we're just going to start here. There's two, two things that Jesus did to affect culture. Nobody affected culture the way Jesus did. He was effective. There's two things he did, two words. John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh. This is John speaking of Jesus. And made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And get this, full of grace and truth. Grace and and truth. And, and notice the order. Grace and truth. Can I, can I have um, I bought my uh, morning tea this morning to share with you. It's an egg. Who likes eggs? I love eggs. Who's, who's bought eggs and you're burnt to pot? Anybody? Oh, one honest person in the back. That's amen, brother. I've done that twice this year. Burned two pots this year boiling eggs. When I boil eggs, everybody's worried in my household. Okay. That's why I'm trying to, trying to get my wife to cook me some eggs. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I was only kidding, baby. Just kidding, baby. There's some salt. Want some salt? Some love? Okay. Peace and truth. And see, this is this egg here. I, I love egg. I can eat eat it without salt. But when I add a bit, when I add some salt to it, some love, and I add it with love, add it with love. It's just put, just the right amount of salt, my amount of salt, and I and I eat that, and I'm like, oh, that's good. Mmm. Hey, Harvey, next time could you peel it properly? No, just kidding. Damn, there's no shells on there. That was good. That was really good. Salt, truth. That was truth. Grace was, see, that's grace. That's love, the perfect amount of love. But this is what happens when we, when we come without grace and we just have truth and we just pour truth all over it. Let me just change that. Let's pour truth all over that. There you go. If you don't follow Jesus, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. All truth. That's truth. 
don't repent of your sin, you're going to hell. If I, if I meet you first, first oh, who, oh, hi, my name is Anthony. Oh, your name is John. Hey, John, do you know Jesus? No, I don't. You're going to hell. Okay. Truth. That's truth. Is it effective truth? I ain't going to eat this. <laughs> because it, it's full of truth, but I can't stomach this truth. can't stomach this truth and 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 if you if you if this is how you apply your truth uh, uh, could i encourage you to stop (laughs) you you know why because you're making it harder for us to share the gospel with people because we we, you become you become you're not you you may be right but you're not effective jesus didn't call us to go to be right he called us to be effective now let me let me illustrate that in the story do you understand? Truth without grace is mean. Truth without grace is mean. But equally, grace without truth is meaningless. Yeah, you can go do that. That's okay. That's okay. That's no, not okay. That's not being effective. You're either going to be hard or you're going to be a wishy-washy Christian. Turn with me to John chapter 8. See what happened. This is just a story. This is story after story. See, Jesus, he, he, these Pharisees, these teachers of the laws, they, they bring this woman who has been caught in the act of adultery. They bring her before Jesus. And these teachers of the law, these Pharisees, they'll, they'll be our modern day pastors, our modern day denomination leaders. This is the equivalent. I'm not saying this is who they are. This is the equivalent to back then. They bring, him, bring her before Jesus, and, and she was caught in the act of adultery. In verse 4, and they, and they said, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it has commanded us to stone such a woman. That's truth. That's, that's right. That's truth. That's what the Bible says. That's truth. Then they said, now what are you saying? See, they're trying to, what they're trying to do is trap Jesus. Trying to trap him. That's why we've got to be careful with our quick responses, don't we? Especially on Facebook, social media. Somebody says something to offend you, we have a quick responses. And quite often our, our quick responses are like this. Right. Might be right, but it's not, not effective. And I love what Jesus does. He bends down and he begins to write on the ground. Writes on the ground. Verse 7, And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Then again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Now, we don't know what he wrote on the ground, but whatever he wrote on the ground, it affected them because one by one they started to leave. First the younger ones, then the older ones. And, and I'm not sure, I don't know what, what, what he wrote on the ground, but this is my theory. You know, you know I, I don't know, don't, don't quote me on this, but I reckon he wrote down, these are the men who has slept with this woman. And one by one, they started to leave. I'm out of here. <laughs> or 
These are the names of the mistresses that you (laughs) on the mattresses. And he began to, and they all began to leave. Don't don't quote me on that. Started writing down their names. Jenny. (laughs) Jenny. (laughs) Verse 10. Jesus straightens up and he asked her, because Jesus was the only one left standing there. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then watch this. This I love what Jesus said. Then neither do I condemn you. Grace. Grace. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Truth. Truth. Jesus connected before he brought truth. See, our response to culture can be summed up in these two words, grace and truth. You know, God hasn't called us to be right, but effective. I'm just going to end. I'm ending now. My second ending. <laughs> My final ending. Turned off everything off. It's, Planes approaching the land. Um, years ago, I just became a Christian. I'm just newbies. It's one of my favorite stories. And many of you have heard this. Just became a Christian. And I did this class called Essentials. Like, well, the Essentials we run here. We've got, we got something. If, if you've just become a believer, I encourage you doing Essentials. Uh, know God, know who He is. Uh, or maybe if you're not a follower, not a believer, but you're kind of curious about Him, do Essentials, grab a card. Click it. I, I did essentials. This is all those years ago. I did essentials, and, and I discovered, I, dis, and I discovered this thing called grace and God's love for my life. And then so I'm just three months in the Lord, and then I'm on the bus. And I'm traveling from. I was at that time. I was studying at MIT, um, Michigan Institute of Technology, okay, Monaco Institute of Technology, in, in Otara, Otara. So <laughs> traveling back, but my bus back to Mangere, where, where I was living, and I was on my bus, and I'm just a new Christian, three months in the Lord sitting there, and uh, I noticed this guy get on the bus, and he was talking to people, going from chair to chair to chair to chair, and, and I, I'm overhearing, and I hear that he's a Christian. I was going, ooh, I hope he sits next to me. I'm excited now. I was a fellow brother. I'm a new Christian. I, I'm excited. I can talk about God. I'm excited. And then he comes, sits down next to me, and he goes, and um, his, name is, his name is Marlon. I remember his name, Marlon. And, uh, and he asked me, these, he asked me, he goes, oh, hey, hey, are you a Christian? I go, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm excited. I'm excited. And he goes, oh, do you believe in God? Yeah, of course I believe in God. Yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, do you go to church? And I go, yeah, I'll go to church. He goes, oh, oh, that's good. Do you go every Sundays? And I go, yeah, I'll go every Sundays. Then he goes, do you pray? And I go, yeah, I pray. Do you pray every day? And I was going, yeah, it's kind of, the questions are getting kind of weird. Okay, it's like, this is not what I imagined. Uh, do you read your Bible? Yeah, I read, I read my Bible. And he goes, do you read it every day? And I go, yes, I, I read it every day. And then, then, he, then, he, then he goes, do you evangelize? I'm just a newbie, okay? So I'm, I'm still learning these words. I'm just going, well, what do you mean by evangelize? And he goes, oh, do you talk to people about, about your faith in public every day? And I, and I go, oh, like what you're doing on the bus? And he goes, yeah. And I go, no, I, I don't do that. And then he said to me, and you call yourself a Christian? And I was saying, look, I've only been saved for three months. <laughs> and I was like, 
Hey, so look, could I ask you a question, Marlon? I, I remembered his name because he, he, was, he was a fishy character. I said, Marlon, if, if we died right now and we stood before God, and, and God asked us this one question, why should we, why should we get into heaven? Is, should we tell, is this the right answer? I, I should, God should lead me to heaven because I go to church every Sunday. I pray every day. I read my Bible every day. And I started to give, give all this religiousness that he had quoted to me. And I said, is that the right answer? And he said, yeah, that's the right answer. And I said, no, that's the wrong answer. And he goes, what do you mean? Because that's what we call work, works. We're not saved by works. We say, and I had just done the study, and this is the first scripture I quoted in my life. I never memorized it. I just did it on a, on a Sunday study. And they said, we're saved by grace. And he goes, where does that say that in the Bible? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not by works where you may boast, but it is a gift of God. That you are God's masterpiece, created to do good works that he, had, he has planned for you in advance. And then I said to him, look, there's a reason why you're not effective on this bus. You may be right, but you're not effective. It's because you're coming here, you're not coming here in love, no grace, but you've come to condemn. I said, oh, I suggest you change your approach. Then my bus stop came. My, I had a connection in Odahu. So catch you later. And I jumped off the bus. And then I went, man, I'm the man. <laughs> I'm only three months in the Lord, okay? I'm, like, I'm the man. I'm like, you know. But it's, it's grace and truth. How do we affect culture around us? Grace and truth. No Know who you are in God. Know your identity. Don't allow culture to change your identity. Don't let culture say you're this or you're that, but uphold what God has called you to be. That I am a child of God. That I am loved. That He has a plan for my life that is good. I don't care what's going on in my life right now. My life might be messed up. It might be upside down, but but I don't care because my faith is based on truth, not on my feelings. Because I don't feel, I don't feel the life is going well. Doesn't mean that's where my, my altitude will be. Because my altitude is based upon His word, His faith. For you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free.